Hey everyone, this is Yvette Hampton. Welcome back to the Schoolhouse Rock podcast. I am back today with my new friend, Missy Andrews, and we are talking about homeschooling. Well, because that's what we do on this podcast. It's a homeschool podcast. And so we're talking about homeschooling and Jesus and homeschooling multiple kids and education, which is such an important part of homeschooling. Um, and you might think, what in the world is she talking about? Of course, it's all about education. Well, we're kind of talking about the difference between um, you know, education and school and what does that look like? Yes. Um, and so if you missed Monday's episode, oh goodness, go back and listen to it because Missy just gave us a world of information and so much encouragement um, when it comes to education and what that looks like for our families. Uh, but before we get back into our conversation, I want to say thank you to our sponsor, BJU Press Homeschool. If you want help managing your homeschool on a day-to-day basis, BJU Press has a new homeschool hub that can dramatically simplify things for you. You'll be able to see your child's workload, document grades, modify schedules, and more. The BJU Press Homeschool Hub is the resource you need for painless planning and happy homeschooling. Visit BJUPressHomeschool.com to see how the hub can change your homeschooling. That's BJUPressHomeschool.com. Well, Missy, thank you for coming back with me. Um, oh, thank you for having me. Yeah. Oh, it was so fun. Um, so it, in Monday's episode, you said so many things, and I, I was madly taking notes And one of the things that you said that really just jumped out to me was you said, education is a journey, not a list. Yes. And I was like, that's amazing because I, I, every homeschool mom, I still, I've been doing this 12 years now and I still feel like I have to check all the boxes. Yes. I don't know why I feel that way. I just, I guess it's how we've been conditioned Mm -hmm. and I'm trying to still get my brain around. It's a journey. It's a journey. It's a journey. It's It's not a list. It's not a checklist. Um, my, you know, my kids aren't medical records. <laughs> like they don't need to check all the boxes in order to be successful. Yes. If education is a journey, a journey in particular into truth, then it's not a book list or some sort of finite body of facts to be memorized, um, which means that we don't have to be comprehensive in our right. treatment of the different curriculum that we're using in order to give our children an education. Uh, That's not what it's about. Rather, our task is to equip the students for a lifetime journey, um, if I can use C.S. Lewis's words, further up and further in, right? Mm. Um, Dorothy Sayers calls this act one of recovering the lost tools of learning. Mm. Um, That is to say that rather than um, being comprehensive in our treatment of the facts, we are trying to equip our students to learn for a lifetime, giving them the tools necessary to read well and think well for the rest of their lives. Um, You can read her ideas about this. Uh, She wrote a wonderful essay called The Lost Tools of Learning, and you Mm -hmm. can find it free online. But the various disciplines um, from her perspective represent opportunities not to teach the child the facts, but to teach the child how to think. Um, She describes this as a three-stage process, um, which is actually the only list I'm going to give you myself. Yeah. (laughs) I'll I'll quote my professor. I mentioned in an earlier podcast. (laughs) You got a pencil? (laughs) I do. I have a pencil. Oh, I just see my pencil. (laughs) In the first of these stages, the child is acquiring a basic knowledge of the stuff of the world, and he's soaking in facts and isn't that concerned yet about how they fit together. Uh, In the second stage, he tries to arrange and connect these facts in a logical way, that is to argue to an order of the facts for himself. Mm. 
And in the third stage, the child learns to put the order he's found into words so that he can communicate his thoughts about these facts to others clearly and beautifully. But in every single stage, the emphasis is not on mastering all of the facts. The facts themselves are just tools uh, by which the child becomes equipped for further thought and study. Um, This is good news for you, mom, because it makes um, the information age your friend. (laughs) Information is um, at your fingertips and your child's as well. And so it's not necessary that you cram every single thing into your child's mind. Um, That doesn't mean that memorization isn't important. The exercise of memorizing data or poetry um, or what you have is, is a tool as well by which we train our minds and exercise our minds to gather and retain and contemplate important things. But It's just a tool and it's a tool to an end rather than an end in itself. They don't have to retain every single fact. Do you? I don't. (laughs) So um, if that's true, that education is less about mastery and more about acquiring these tools of learning in the pursuit of wisdom and truth, then maybe my professor friend was right. And maybe it is possible to get a top drawer education reading just the Bible and a couple of good books. Um, Maybe it has more to do with how you read such books and what happens when you do than it does with how many books you've read. Mm. I hope what you're asking right now is, um, this sounds too good to be true, is it? (laughs) (laughs) Um, And uh, probably the reason reason there's a catch here is because there is one. Mm -hmm. Um, The idea here is that you can't talk about things that you don't know, that you have to go along with your child on this journey towards education. Uh, Mitchell would say it this way, one who would guide the sleeping intellect of a child um, into alertness, awakeness, and awareness of the truth has to be actively pursuing it himself. Um, Which is just another way of saying that if we're going to act as a guide, we have to blaze a trail, um, which means you have to read the books. You have to read the books yourself. Now, um, this this task is demanding, but it's not impossible when we remind ourselves that it's not about quantity, it's about quality. Um, We have to read the book in order to lead our child into a thoughtful discussion of the book, but we don't have to read every book and discuss every single one in the same way. Um, As a result, my husband and I created a pedagogy Um, for mom that would equip you with the tools necessary to lead your kids into a thoughtful conversation about the books that you choose to read and study deeply with them. Now, this can be a subset of the books that you actually assign to your kids because you and I both know they have much more time to read than you do. I mean, you've got the laundry, right? (laughs) (laughs) The laundry and the baby and the errands and all that. And they've just got hours and hours to read. So um, take some subset and make that subset the number of books that you actually think you might have time to read and to think about deeply Mm -hmm. and make that subset the number of books that you're going to discuss with your child. Uh, With that in mind, um, watch Teaching the Classics Basic Seminar. And in it, we use children's picture storybooks um, in order to present story structure and to teach you the stylistic devices that authors use in order to communicate their story's thematic ideas. And the thematic ideas are really the heart uh, of the art of storytelling. They're the big ideas that the author wrote to think about, uh, the big questions he wants to discuss with his readers. And um, this is the, it's solid gold for the homeschool parent because 
because um, these themes are where the art of story engages with universal truths. Um, that is the 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 meaning of life, what a man is, and what good a man is, what a love is, and what good a love is, and uh, all of the big questions. Uh, those are the kinds of things that you go to moralizing about six ways to Sunday. But with literature, there's no need for moralizing or sermonizing. We get um, the expression of these questions and some of the answers to these questions in living color that engages our students in thinking about these things right alongside the authors and the, the characters in the story. When we come alongside and we learn to ask the kinds of questions necessary to understand thematic ideas and stories and teach our kids the kind of questions necessary to engage with authors to understand those those big ideas, we foster the kind of conversation that is at the heart of the reason that we homeschool as parents, because those big questions have really big answers. And if we answer those things wrong, lots of, lots of trouble ensues uh, in the human life. Um, It's the proverb says, as a man thinks, so is he. And so how we think about these big questions is going to dictate um, how we live our lives. The classics offer kids an opportunity to engage with the kinds of answers other people have given to these big questions um, and to see that they're not the only ones asking those questions. Uh, we get to see not only the questions themselves in living color, but the consequences associated with answering those questions in particular ways that aren't limited and constrained to, to art or to literature. Um, as kids grow uh, and the kinds of, of stories that they're reading um, come from a variety of different worldviews, we're able to give our kids a comparative worldview education just through the literature that they're reading. If we understand what the questions are that are being asked and the kind of worldviews that give rise to the answers that they're seeing on the pages of these books, after they've read those things, they can step back into their own skin and from the security of their living room uh, with their parents, um, talk about whether or not those answers resonate with the truth that they found in the Word of God. I can't imagine a a more satisfying opportunity, a, a riper opportunity for the homeschool family. Because we can um, equip our kids to have these kinds of conversations with children's picture books, um, this is available to everyone, regardless of the kind of education that you yourself may have received. I've never met anyone who is threatened and intimidated by a children's picture storybook. And because all stories share the same structure and employ the same kind of stylistic devices in order to talk about the universal things of man, a children's picture storybook is a better place to learn, I would argue, about how to ask the questions, what kind of questions to ask, and how to discover the thematic ideas at the heart of story than, say, War and Peace would be. (laughs) It's short. It's a one sitting read and everybody enjoys it, which means that when you're schooling multiple children, it's a wonderful opportunity. Read the children's picture book aloud, look for the structure and story, have a conversation about thematic ideas and notice the artistic ways that the authors stress those ideas through their use of literary devices. And you foster a habit of mind in your student that they will take into reading grade level reading material for the rest of their lives. This is the magic of teaching the classics. And again, it's, it's, a, it's about an eight-hour seminar aimed right at mom, 
um, to help you lead your kids into thoughtful conversations about the books that they read. Um, so that's a, an A, B, a, a two-shot deal. First, it, yes, of course you can give your kids uh, a wonderful education and you can do it with just a few books as long as you teach them to ask the right questions mm-hmm. of those books. If, you're, if you understand education is not mastery, but instead it's um, acquiring and giving to your kids the tools to learn for a lifetime, then it's not... Um, the comprehensive nature of mastery education falls by the wayside. And instead we see the various disciplines as just tools, uh, opportunities to help our kids acquire the proper tools to read uh, intelligibly for the rest of their lives to learn. Yeah. Love it. Let's take a break. We'll be right back. Have you tried CTC math yet with your child? Here's a testimonial from another happy homeschool mom. Amber said, I'm absolutely thrilled with CTC math. It's a rare find that I've used with my children for more than five years now. I have six children using CTC Math and each child has found it easy to navigate and very applicable. Thank you so much for all that you are doing in providing quality math lessons for my children. If you're looking for a great online math program, visit ctcmath.com. That's ctcmath.com. Apologia supports homeschool families with Christ-centered K-12 homeschool curriculum designed to engage your student as they experience the awe and wonder of creation and their creator. Designed by leading scholars with a biblical worldview, Apologia's award-winning curriculum is written in a conversational tone directly to the student to encourage independence. Hands-on activities and experiments help students solidify the concepts they're exploring and build a lifelong love of learning. Visit us at Apologia.com. We are back with Missy. Oh my goodness, you 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 are just I, I feel like I could just sit at your feet and learn for oh, that is very kind. days and days and days. <laughs> you are full of so much information. And it's so funny, you keep saying this word pedagogy. Yeah. And I had Dr. Perrin on uh, several years ago and he talked about pedagogy. And I was like, what is this pedagogy word? I don't even know what you're talking <laughs> about. And uh, so you've mentioned it a few times. I'm going to let you explain a little bit more what that is. But I want to talk in these last few minutes um, on this episode about teaching our kids to learn, because of course, that's that's where you're going with this whole how to teach multiple kids at one time is not feeding them all the facts and feeling like we need to teach them every single individual fact about every single subject. Yeah, I mean, what about the gaps, right? Have you ever heard right, of right, that? Exactly. Ever said that? <laughs> yes, exactly. It's teaching them how to learn well, how to think well, how to read well. So how do we do that practically with our kids? Well, you teach them patterns and pedagogy instead of in literature, which is my field, instead of um, saying, okay, I'm going to teach them the books. That is, I'm going to teach them um, the Scarlet Letter or the Bronze Bow or Charlotte's Web or whatever it is at their various levels um, in in reading and and growing. Um, And then requiring a teacher guide or a a study guide for every single story that you want to teach them. Instead, you teach them how to read any story. Um, The pedagogy is the approach, the methodology by which you will teach your students. Uh, If education is not purely um, cramming facts into your child's brain, but instead equipping them to learn, you can look at the various disciplines and see what is necessary uh, in order for them to know how to approach, that is how 
to read in every discipline, how to speak the language of history, right? How to think like a historian, how to speak the language of the mathematician and think mathematically, um, how to think about books and what kinds of questions you need to approach in order to interact with the art of the novel or the story and track with the storyteller to his ultimate conclusions. This is the pedagogy that we're looking for. And that is what um, what our work in the field of literature has been designed to do. Um, I wrote Teaching the Classics for a friend. Uh, she was also a homeschool mom, six kids. The oldest was a senior in high school and she was trying to read the classics with him. She came to me one day and said, I don't have time to go back to school. I know you got a degree in, in English literature. Um, can you help me? I can't get past, did you like it with my son? And these are the classics of Western civilization. I should be getting more out of it than this, right? And, you know, I'm sitting at home thinking, how can I give her the benefit of my college degree without go, sending her back to college herself? Right. And it was out of this question that the idea for teaching the classics was born. I, I had a bunch of little lap sitters. I was reading them children's picture storybooks. And I thought, these stories uh, have all of the components of great stories um, written at every grade level. That is, all stories share common things, setting, character, plot, conflict, theme, right? The conflict at the bottom of the story, um, propelling the story to some sort of uh, destination, right? There's a beginning, a middle, and an end. There's, there's a climactic moment, a turning point in the story uh, that satisfies whatever the quest or the question that the protagonist asks within the story. And if we can chart that question, that conflict with the author, we can divine, we can uncover the big ideas at the heart of his story. It just requires that we know the kinds of questions that we should ask in order to engage that author and understand the structure of all story. Because all stories share a structure. So if we know the structure and we have a pedagogy, that is, if we know the pattern of story and we have a pedagogy or a series of questions to ask Mm -hmm. in approaching story, we can lead our kids into a habit of mind. They can develop a habit of mind that they will take with them into um, the the thoughtful analysis of any story they might want to read. Whether Mm -hmm. that story comes to them in a picture storybook or in a novel or in a movie or even the stories that they come to when they open the scriptures. Understanding the way story is written is the key uh, to unlocking the stories themselves and engaging in the great conversation, which is really what stories are all about. Yeah. So let me ask you this really quickly. We're, we're almost out of time, mm-hmm. but I want to just park there for just a minute. Can you give us maybe like the three top questions? And I know you've got your seminar, Teaching Classics, at the Teaching Classics Basics Seminar. Um, And we'll put a link to that in the show notes. It's on on your website. I know people can access that. Um, But can you give us maybe the three top questions that we can ask to our children to teach them how to think well, how to learn well, and as they're reading stories and starting from, you know, picture books, going all the way through more intense classics, um, what questions should we be asking them? That's a really good question. And uh, it's really at the heart of teaching stories at any grade level. Um, The reason that we start with children's picture storybooks in teaching mom and dad um, Mm -hmm. uh, is because they're the same (laughs) in terms of their organization, the kinds of questions that you ask. The only difference is that the questioning, um, the questions that you, let me say it this way, the books at the the more, um, uh, at the higher levels 
they support a longer conversation. You can ask more mm-hmm. questions, okay? Right. But all of, you always begin at the grammar when you read a story, whether that that book is a, a grammar level book that is mm-hmm. intended for grammar school students, or if, if it's War and Peace, you always start at the beginning and asking the basic fundamental questions. And those are, um, who's that main character in the story? Mm-hmm. Who's the protagonist? Who's the story about primarily? Who's, um, whose career does the story follow? Whose questions does the story seek to answer, right? What is it that he wants? What is he looking for? Is he on a quest? Um, is he trying to solve a problem? Uh, is there a physical object that he's trying to attain? Is he trying to correct a problem within himself? And there are only five different types of, um, of problems that a story can actually be about. And we can teach our kids to recognize categorically the different conflicts at the, at the base of story because conflict really is the thing that drives the story. It's like the, it's like the engine that pulls the train of the story to its conclusion. No conflict, no story. Okay, so we want to ask, we want to teach the kids to ask who that main character is, what he wants, why he can't have it, what are the obstacles that he needs to face in order to uh, achieve the the object in the story, uh, and without which the story becomes a tragedy as opposed to a comedy, right? And then how is that obst- how are those obstacles overcome? So who's the main character? What does he want? Why can't he have it? How does he overcome those obstacles? And the how question really does um, crack open the thematic ideas in the story. Um, When we look at how the problem is solved, we begin to understand um, what the author is contributing to the conversation about whatever the topic the story is engaging with, right? Um, If it's a story about friendship, then um, the climactic moment of the story is going to tell us a little bit about how friendship is achieved or how the author understands um, friendship in terms of, uh, you know, is is it predicated on sacrificial love? or on sharing, like in a bargain for Francis, or is it, you know, what, what's the nature of friendship? How does the climactic moment revolve, resolve the fundamental problem in the story? And what kinds of comments does that lead you to make regarding the author's understanding of what a friendship is? Yeah. It's so interesting as you're talking about that, I'm thinking about our own lives, like just Mm -hmm. as normal humans, because our life really does follow that same pattern. It doesn't have to be a book about someone else, but you know, we are the protagonist in our own story. Yes, yes. There always is some sort of conflict or, you know, something going on. Not that there's always bad things going on, but as humans, we're always trying to do something. We're always trying to solve something, you know, whether it's a mom who's got a dirty diaper or, well, not herself, but has a baby with a dirty yeah, diaper, yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, or, or homeschooling our kids or doing the laundry. And then we have to figure out the ways to solve that problem. And so, so it's really cool to think of it that way and, and how incredibly creative of God, right? Mm-hmm. To create our lives as our own story, our yes. very own story. And we talk a lot about that, um, you know, just in our family and how, like God is writing our story. Mm-hmm. Still, you know, we get to be the main character and God is writing our stories beautifully and perfectly. And there's bumps and hills and valleys and I mean, all sorts of interesting and exciting adventures in each one of our stories. Um, but we get to show the goodness of God and bring it all in in the end. You know, he's going to end our story somehow and it all gets to close up, uh, you know, with him as God as creator of our own lives um, yes. in the very end. And, so and how the hero. Is in our story. Yes, yeah, he gets to be the hero. Absolutely. So, well, we are out of time. Um, I feel like I could talk to you forever and ever, but we are going to come back tomorrow and talk a little bit more. And tomorrow we're going to really focus on the pitfalls, some of the pitfalls that we as homeschool parents can fall into. Mm-hmm. So be sure to join us again tomorrow. Missy, tell us one more time where people can find more about you and your ministry. You can find us at Center for Lit 
www.thelifeshift.com. Okay, sounds great. We'll put those links in the show notes. Have a great afternoon. And if you haven't watched the movie yet, go to schoolhouserocked.com. You can stream it for free. Share it with your family. Share it with your friends. Share it with your neighbors. It will bring encouragement to you and to them. Have a great day. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Bye. What we do at IEW is break through the the noise of the grammar and the writing prompts, and we say, this is what you do, step by step. And I've witnessed it over and over again, both watching Andrew teach and hearing from parents, this is the best writing program. We've made it so easy and made it really affordable. So any mom can teach writing to their children using our course, and we guarantee it. To try three weeks of free lessons, visit IEW.com.